0: Welcome back to Coming Up for Air with host Dominique Simone Levine, Laurie McDougall, Annie Highwater, and Kayla Solomon. This podcast is produced with love by the Allies and Recovery team in solidarity with our listeners. Come in and sit with us for conversations on the most pertinent topics for families navigating a loved one's addiction. We created this podcast along with the learning modules and discussion blog in support of you. We salute the work you are doing and your dedication to helping your loved one find a way through. And now, Coming Up for Air.
1: Good morning, everyone. This is Laurie McDougall and Kayla Solomon. Um, Hi. Hi, Kayla. <laughs> We're back on Coming Up for Air. Today's snippet is from Module 1, and it's on control versus influence. What's your take? My,
2: my take is that Control is about trying to make something happen. This is how I think about it. It's that you make something happen, that there's the way it's supposed to be, the way that it should be, the way that you want it to be. And you're trying to exert your power over the other person to get them to do what you want. Of course, that's with the assumption that you're assuming that they know how good it is and that they'll want to do it, but often that's not the case. And influence is ways of more subtly making requests so that you're basically inviting the person to participate.
1: What's your take on it? I totally agree with you. I think that control is something that we do as family members or we try to do because it's become ingrained in us, especially if we are a parent, if we're talking about even an adult child or a young teenager or a young adult that's what our role is actually I think or at least what society tells us we should be doing as as a parent that we should be we should have control over our loved ones' behavior and we do that through and in, in very um, very learned as a parent we learn that we're supposed to implement we're supposed to hold people accountable we're supposed to punish them, if they don't do or live up to whatever our expectation is. And really, it's our responsibility to make sure that it happens in a particular way. And that, that leads parents into this role of having to have to control their child. And so that leads to things like demanding that leads to that more aggressive or authoritarian type parenting. And I'm not I'm not saying that a that a parent is an authoritarian parent when they're demanding, but it just leads to that more stricter kind of no, you must do you must do it this way because this is what we are supposed to do. It is my job as your parent to tell you what to do. And then if you don't do it, I'm supposed to give you consequences.
2: Um, Punishment. Right. Right. And I think, and which is an interesting word that you use because how ironic to do that with an adult. But I, I think that we need to also add the extra layer of we're talking about substance use here. So it feels like you're controlling is an attempt to keep the person alive. And so many of of the loved ones that we're talking about here that if you're a loved one you feel like it's your responsibility yes. to keep the person alive that your role is to keep them safe and to help them make good decisions and help them move forward in their life in a positive way and make sure that they're on the the right road and that's a great concept except it doesn't work past a three-year-old. And truthfully, if we look back, we probably didn't have that control ever, but it's a nice idea.
1: Right. And and I also think, I, I totally agree with you. I also think that it probably didn't work when they were younger, not the way we thought it did. Like I personally think that that kind of leads to things like lying, mm-hmm. right? Hiding, avoidance. I'm going to avoid. And how do I do that? Well, I don't, I'm not quite honest or, um, or I'm outright lying, but I also think that you indicated it's interesting that it's also done with adult children, but the, but the lines of when a person is not in that parenting role and when they are in that parenting role, 18 is like the legal Age, right? But I think those lines are really, really blurred. And I also think that as a, as a parent, how do, you, how do you just totally disengage when they're 18 years old from that role? And also, I think having that role, a family member, a mom or a dad might see it as actual love. This is, this is my job. This is how I show you that I love you. Right. right, Is by doing this. Right.
2: Okay. But I, I actually think as a person who has a 16 year old child, that when I am controlling, I wind up getting myself into a bloody mess. Because yes. what what I found with my daughter is that, that, and I believe this about all of us, when people tell us what to do, we are, we are all naturally rebellious, everybody, because when somebody tells me what to do, I'm just as bad as my 16-year-old. I, I do not do well if you say, you need to do this, or this is what needs to get done, or blah, 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 and I watch that with my daughter, so what, what I've been working on, and it is very unnatural for me, and I think that's probably true of all of us, is being able to come in in a different way, which is where influence comes in, so what influence looks like versus control is basically that you're much more um, it's a softer approach is how I would describe it. So you're making a request, you're asking questions. If the answer is no, instead of being upset or pushing back or fighting, what you wind up doing is asking questions. Like, oh, it seems like you didn't, you know, like for me, the cat food, did you fill up the cat food? Um, and if the answer, if I say, how come you didn't fill up the cat food? Then we're in a conflict and that's the control part of me. Exactly. As opposed to, oh, you know, I'm just wondering when you're thinking about filling up the cat food or if there's a reason that you haven't done it. And that's the curiosity. And as I love to say, the curiosity and fascination, because I think it's interesting why people don't do things. And I'm much more curious to find out why you haven't done something. And there's always interesting reasons to why people are not doing things. That is much more relational because people don't have to fight you when you're being open about things, and then there's a if the goal is to get the thing done is to allow a process to happen, you want to actually set the stage to make it more possible
1: right so i I totally agree with you, and I love the idea of curiosity and acting um, asking questions based on curiosity to try and get to the bottom of why you know why why wasn't this done right and it's not accusatory. And I think when we get accusatory and we get this really demanding stance and this negative stance, just like what you said, puts people, puts their back against the wall and they come out kicking and screaming. And it doesn't mean that they're kicking and screaming. It means in their head, they're kicking and screaming, right? Um, Because you've put me up against the wall. Um, And I agree with you. It it never worked um, when my kids were younger. And Um, I also think that we're, you know, you and I are uh, spending a lot of time with families that have a loved one with substance use disorder, and I think every single one of those families will say, yep, that's how my loved one responds, right, to this more aggressive stance. And instead, turning to influence. Now, I see control and influence as internal and external. Um, type things. And what I, what I think is um, family members, what we want is actually our loved ones to ha- want to do something or internally, we want it to be something that is not external, meaning my influence or not influence, I don't want to use that word, but my demanding and my telling is very external internal is something that tell me about what's going on inside of you that keeps you from putting cat into the cat bowl and tell me what's going on internally that's blocking you from being able to do this thing.
2: Well, and that gets to motivation. So, so as you're, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking what, what influence is really about is helping the person find motivation. And it's not make motivation doesn't come from you telling somebody what to do. I personally, for me, that reduces my motivation by about a thousand percent. But if, but if, if I'm having a discussion and I'm gauge and I'm engaging with somebody and they're like requesting it or making it interesting, or even it becomes a partnership, that's going to change my motivation. If I'm, but, and also based on the motivation, it's about, letting people think, well, why am I not doing that? Yeah. You know, what's happening? That's get, I. That's what we want our loved ones to be able to be thinking about here. It's like, okay, because th- I think sometimes they do want to do it, but they're having their own issues with motivation. They're having their own um, psychological or um, situational factors that get in the way of them doing things. And for some people, I've been talking about this a lot with some of the families that I'm working with, For some people, it's that they get overwhelmed really easily. And there's this fundamental belief that if they avoid things, then they're going to do better. Like they're going to avoid all pain. And as we all know, the more you avoid something, the more of a mess you create, which is going to create that cycle of overwhelm. So So it might be that what we help people do is break something down into a smaller bit. So it's not as overwhelming, but you can't find that out unless you're asking questions or engaging in a conversation as opposed to getting upset with somebody for not doing it.
1: Right. Right. Which is why I like craft because these are craft skills, right? Craft skills are about requesting instead of demanding. Right. And, And already you can see if you're requesting something of someone, just the requesting itself inspires people to think about what it is you're asking versus demanding, which automatically puts you at a no stance. Nope. Right. Nope.
2: Right. And just just for a little backup for people who are just listening to the podcast that don't know about craft, can you just describe what the craft model actually is and what it's
1: about? Yeah, the, the craft model. Well... In, in what we're talking about today, the craft model, the foundation of the craft model is really communication skills and these positive communication skills. And the start of that is requesting versus demanding, asking someone, you know, I would appreciate it if you could um, make sure and get the dishes into the dishwasher right as soon as you're done eating, right? Right. It's a, it's a request. It's not, you know what, you better get those dishes in the dishwasher after dinner, or I'm going to be really upset, right? It's, it's more, you're coming alongside, you're requesting, you're asking, and you're trying to help get that person's defenses to uh, down a little bit, right? And, and create motivation, help to help the person to kind of think about what I'm saying and what I'm asking you versus, you know, shut me off, shut me down. And and craft is really the foundation. I mean, there's a lot more to it, of course, but the foundation of craft is communication skills. And this is just the start. Let's request instead of demand. Right. And and
2: if you look at what the craft model really is about is changing a dynamic between two people or two or more people. And, and the d- dynamic that does not work is, one person pushing and shoving and making all the rules and basically having the c- power and control and the other person being in a step down position. And it look it looks like it makes sense because when you look at somebody who's using substances, it looks like they're fragile and they're weak and they're irresponsible and they're negative. And so it's hard not to go in and try to change that but it's not a good tool to, to push people doesn't actually allow change to happen. And so what we're trying to do is get folks to see that if you pull back and be more gentle and empathetic and kind and open, then that sets the stage for a better relationship, which is what sets the stage for somebody being more open to change.
1: Right. And it's also important to note why the communication skills are so important People often come in thinking they're going to start these communication skills, and in in, I call it flowery. They're going to have flowery conversations that they're still going to be able to avoid having negative conversations or or talk about difficult topics, and things are just going to completely calm down. And I think it's important to understand that these communication skills are going to be softer. They're going to be more compassionate. They're going to be more caring. And they're hopefully going to help relationship build with your loved ones so that Mm -hmm. they can feel more comfortable talking to you. But it doesn't mean that you're not going to have difficult conversations. And it doesn't mean you're you're still going to get to avoid um, particular conversations. In fact, it's the other way around. It's you're going to be able to actually express yourself better and express yourself in a more positive way. Um, your loved one might not like it, but it's still, you still need to have the ability to one, set down boundaries and two, express yourself as well. So it doesn't mean avoidance, it does mean compassion, caring, empathy, right? Really listening and hearing the other person. And that's where the influence comes in, believe it or not.
2: Right. And if you think about this work as, uh, staircase, and that this is one of the first steps in the staircase. You're not going to be on the 23rd floor by doing one thing. This is the beginning of a way of communicating. So it's about noticing your tone. It's about listening better. It's about actually being more open to your loved one's experience versus what your perceptions are. The other thing is that um, this is not about outcome. Okay, because if we get caught up in outcome, then you're already in the power dynamic. So, this is not okay, the person's going to absolutely be wonderfully responding to you. The point is that you're doing your part in the communication, that you're changing your part. And that is the ultimate part, the ultimate perception of the craft model is you change your part of the dynamic, and hopefully that will. influence the other person's life in a very different and more positive way. This is not about ironically controlling the other person. And just because you're being lovely and wonderful and open, that doesn't mean that, boom, the other person starts doing that. It's much more that you're setting a stage where you're creating possibilities that didn't exist before.
1: Right, exactly. Okay, so give us a quick
2: all right. The summary of today. So the yeah. summary today. So this is if you're interested in hearing more about this, these uh, issues, go back to module one on the craft on the for the craft model under the allies in site. And definitely think about becoming a member because there's an abundance of modules and podcasts and, and information and connections that you could get connected with being a member And so the summary of today is that it's about thinking um, of communication in terms of control versus influence. So basically the idea is that you have the opportunity to influence somebody and you want to start shifting out of the control position and into an influencing position, which is a softer, more open, more compassionate position so that you can change the dynamic of the relationship. So it starts with when you want something. How do you go about um, requesting it? And, and this is, Rome was not built in a day. So the idea is how do you just start practicing these things? And by the way, allowing yourself to try and fail. That is the ongoing message of craft is try and fail.
1: Yeah, uh, and also allowing yourself to try and fail, but also allowing space for your loved one to not be perfect.
2: Please, Yes, take actually take perfect out of the whole thing because yeah, it's take a useless word. Out it. yeah. It's a lousy goal.
1: Yeah, it doesn't work.
2: It's unattainable.
1: Yeah. Well, Kayla, thank you for the conversation. Wonderful conversation. And I guess I will see you next week. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening. We hope this episode of Coming Up for Air spoke to you. If you're listening in today on a podcast platform that isn't the Allies member site, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating. This helps others find the show more easily. If you have a suggestion for a new topic or a guest for the show, please reach out through the Contact Us form on alliesinrecovery.net. Special thanks to our hosts, our guests, and our production team.